Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD, Sergeant. And with me today, straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective, Phil Grimaldi. How you doing today, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. I'm uh, looking forward to digging into this case and hearing our new intro. I'm very excited about that. You know, uh, I'm going to introduce the, the show shortly uh, after this, but one of the things is obviously there's some there was some developments yesterday, sad developments, and we're going to get into that right after we play our intro- introduction. There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir. They have the cars talking ten and branch microbiter. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. back folks (laughs) pretty good intro so the naomi irian case um obviously there was some developments yesterday uh the perp who was arrested troy driver who happens to be a career criminal um the judge offered him seven hundred fifty thousand dollars bail and although that sounds like a lot of money you only have to pay 15 percent of it so Anyone that owns a home or has any kind of assets or if his family does, they could put that up. So it would only come to about $112,000, which I think infuriated the public that someone charged with a kidnapping is even considered for bail. I, I think it's just outrageous anywhere in this country. This is where we're at in criminal justice reform. Uh, you know, And the other side would argue that bail is just to ensure that the defendant shows up for his next uh, court appearance. But how about the public? How about the danger you're putting the public in? And in regards to the the, uh, victim of this crime, how about her family letting the the guy who kidnapped her out on bail? Just to me, just outrageous. The second uh, part of this yesterday was late last night. Horrendously, they discovered the body of Naomi Erion, an 18-year-old girl. This case is as bad as it gets. And um, they discovered it about a mile away from where she was abducted in that uh, Walmart parking lot. So all of these developments are just, you know, horrendous. And then many people are asking in the chat, well, are they going to revisit the uh, the bond or the bail? I certainly hope so. I certainly hope that the judge will say, no, that. There is no bond now. He's remanded, which he should have been remanded on the kidnapping. Just outrageous. So let's just recap this. On March 12th, Naomi Irion went to this Walmart parking lot. That's where she parks her car at about 525 in the morning. And she gets picked up by a shuttle that takes her to her job. She works for uh, Panasonic. However, this day at about approximately 530 in the morning, a man approaches her, and whatever his actions were, he went to the driver's side 
And whatever he did, whether it was something he said, or maybe he displayed a knife or a gun, he's seen entering the car and pushing her over to the passenger seat. And that is the last time she's ever seen. And uh, she was abducted. On the 15th of March, her car is recovered approximately a mile away from the Walmart. Uh, it was it was found because the law enforcement pinged her cell phone and they were able to find her car. And I'm sure there are many, many other investigative developments that we, being content creators on YouTube, have are not privy to and do not know. And one of them was they received a call. Whenever you have a, a major case, a kidnapping, a murder, you have a tips uh, a tips phone line and they got a tip as to where the body was and they recovered the body in a shallow grave yesterday and it was brought to the medical examiner's office and sure enough it was positively identified as Naomi Irion. Phil, it doesn't get any worse than this. I was trying to give a, a brief synopsis on this and we get into the case as to what needs to be done next. But uh, your thoughts? Well, first off, I just want to address the uh, the bail that you spoke about. Now, uh, prior to uh, the whole defund the police and the whole bail reform in New York, uh, I'm going to talk about Brooklyn because that's what I know about. <clears throat> a lot of times in murder cases, uh, if it was a strong case, judge would order a remand to jail pending the next hearing. Now, in this case, they were fairly certain that this, and I'm going to use this language, scumbag, had abducted this young lady. There was evidence found in her vehicle uh, that indicated uh, suspicious activity, possibly violence. Uh, that was actually a, a statement from uh, her mom, Diane. Um, so I think that the $750,000 bail sounds like a lot of money. Like you said, it's only 15% uh, needed to release this, this animal. Uh, when you have a person that abducted a young 18-year-old girl off the street at 5.30 in the morning, <clears throat> a young lady on her way to work, I think that poses a tremendous threat and danger to the community at large. So I think that a remand was what was uh, probably proper in this case. However, they came up with that bail. I would think now that the body has been recovered, district attorney's office, prosecutor in Nevada is probably going to revisit uh, up the charges and hopefully there will be a remand in place. Uh, I believe that there was some type of monitoring device that was uh, applied to him. So I don't think uh, it'll be too hard to locate him. And uh, this animal belongs behind bars. And let's hope, you know, he was involved in another murder as, uh, as we're going to report, we're going to talk about uh, years back, uh, 20 something years ago. And uh, it's obvious, uh, you know, he didn't change his ways. Um, he was involved in uh, met. So he he's, he's, there's only one place for this animal. It's behind bars. And let's hope and pray uh, that he never sees the light of day again. Yeah, he has a uh, criminal history in 1997 in California. He was involved in uh, methadone, and they, they they lured this guy to his house. Him and his buddy were there with his girlfriend. His girlfriend shot and killed the guy. Him and his buddy took the guy's body and dumped it. I love people in the chat say, oh, he didn't pull the trigger. To me, there's something called acting in concert. If you act in concert with a crime, in my mind, you're just as guilty as the person that pulled the trigger. You're facilitating the crime. You're involved in it. You planned it. Now you get rid of the body. And even after that, he he had been, when he was sentenced to 15 years, 
he had a bunch of arm stickups that he did it was just included in the sentence for this murder. And he had also done a burglary of a gun store. So this guy, and at 15, he pointed a loaded gun at another kid. And so he's got uh, a real bad past. I want to play a little bit of Brian Enton from News Nation, who's been on this case from the beginning. And uh, I, I, no, I really like Brian do, Enton. I'll just make one quick point. Um, Go ahead. He was involved in these the string of robberies, like you said. He was 17 years old at the time he was sentenced for the murder, of being complicit as an accessory to that murder. You just spoke of where his girlfriend, they lured a drug dealer to the house. She shot and killed him. Him and his friend disposed of the body. Now, the point that I wanted to make is this. He was 17 years old. He did that time in jail. He obviously was not reformed. And there's only one place for this guy. It's behind bars. Absolutely. This really is just heartbreaking, Rudabay. This all happened within the last hour. Uh, what we've learned from the Churchill County Sheriff's Office is that yesterday they followed up on what they called an investigative tip that took them out to a very, very rural part of the county. They found a grave site. They found a body. Uh, it was taken to the medical examiner's office, and today they were able to officially identify the body as Naomi's. You remember, we've been covering the story all week. She is an 18-year-old a woman. She is the daughter of a U.S. diplomat. She lived all over the world and recently moved here to Nevada to live with uh, her older brother because she wanted a more normal life. She was used to living on these American diplomatic compounds. She wanted to go to college. Um, she wanted to buy a car. She wanted to have a boyfriend. And she was in the Walmart parking lot back on March 12th when she was kidnapped. Uh, there has been hope all along that she could possibly be found alive. Uh, but again, uh, now this this really is tragic news um, just within the last hour uh, that her remains have been discovered. And you were there actually today reporting on Troy Driver, who's the suspect in her kidnapping. Uh, the bail for him was set at $750,000. Do you think that could be now raised now that the body has been found? Well, that's a good question, Ruta Bay, and we're going to wait and see about that tomorrow. Um, there's so much... Uh, Strange, such a strange situation surrounding this man, Troy, Troy Driver. He's been charged with kidnapping. He is apparently not talking to police. He has not been charged with murder, uh, but he has been tied to the kidnapping. You mentioned the $750,000 bond uh, that, a, that a judge ruled on today. Uh, here in Nevada, you only have to pay 15% of that. So it's about $112,000. Uh, people are concerned he has the money and he could bond out which would really be something if after they discover the body, he then bonds out of jail tomorrow. Uh, so everyone in this community really anxious right now, waiting to see uh, if, if additional charges are added. Thank you know, just so horrendous when you see the face of that, that young woman, so much hope and so much love in her face. And, uh, you know, she wanted to, uh, she lived with her father and mother who her father's a diplomat. So she traveled all over the world. And she wanted a more normal life of just living in one place, getting a job, owning a car, getting a boyfriend, living a, a normal life of like what a teenager lives. And to have someone steal her life from her, uh, it's just to me, it, it gives me, it reminds me of every reason I ever became a cop to go after, you know, you see this guy, Troy Driver on the, on the scene. And when you look at the video, he seems like almost like a, a predator. He's, he's patrolling that Walmart parking lot and looking for a victim with his hoodie up. And it's really, it's really quite sickening to see this career criminal, you know, 
out there just searching for for a victim, and it's disgusting. And then when you see the criminal justice system, i.e., the judge respond with considering bailing this guy, is just is beyond. How did we get here? I just how did we get here where a judge thinks it's okay to release a kidnapper that potentially murdered this girl and probably did murder this girl, and they didn't, of course, have the body early yesterday when she issued this bond. But where did she get that from? Where are we as a society that we want to put the rights of a career criminal, a kidnapper, over someone who was murdered, kidnapped and murdered? Just, I don't know. It really makes me sick. It really does, you know. Billy, I got to tell you, you could see the evil in his eyes in that last picture you had up of him. And he looks and reminds me somewhat of Charles Manson. I mean, look at that picture. You could see the evil in his eyes. But I want to talk a little bit about that morning. Uh, She came into the parking lot at about 5.09 a.m. in the Fernley Walmart parking lot. Obviously, she was there to uh, wait for uh, a shuttle to work, uh, as you said earlier, the, the Panasonic location where she worked. And it said that she was active on social media until 5.23 a.m. And then at 5.24 a.m., that's when he approaches the car and enters through the driver's side. And then at 5.25, the vehicle leaves the parking lot. Now, I just want to make a point. I would never blame the victim, but it seemed like maybe she was uh, paying attention to her cell phone. It was dark out. She didn't take notice of this, uh, like you called him, he was prowling around the area, this predator that was uh, looking for his prey. He was patrolling with his hood up, like you said, and she may not have noticed him. I just think that I have young daughters and uh, actually one of them is the same age as this young lady. And I just try to always tell them to be aware of your surroundings, uh, keep an eye out. Had she, you know, been in the, uh, with the car running, the driver's seat with the doors locked, this guy approached, she possibly could have gotten away. But uh, I think he took her totally by surprise. And that's what most predators do. They use the element of surprise, whether it be a robbery, a rape, a kidnapping. They always use the element of surprise. He had the fact that it was dark out on his side, so he's not so noticeable. You know, in a, in a dark environment, you may not notice uh, someone lurking around. So, again... Uh, very shortly thereafter, uh, they leave the parking lot. Uh, we believe that this horrible, heinous crime took place. And then they found the vehicle three days later. And in the vehicle, there was probably some evidence. The mother made a statement that there was suspicious activity, possibly violence, uh, that she made uh, a remark about. We don't have the inside details. We don't have the case folder in front of us. But I'm sure that when they did a physical examination of that car, an evidentiary uh, examination. There was probably things recovered from within that car that led to the charges. If you read the charges on the affidavit that he was charged with prior to the body being found, it sounded certain that they believed that sexual acts had taken place, violence and murder. So uh, there was probably things in that car that led them to to come to those conclusions. Um, again, you could never be too careful. You need to know what your surroundings are, especially at that time of the morning. This is when uh, predators will be lurking in, in the dark. So, uh, you know, Phil, I just want to save some of that for later. We're going to go over the evidence and what the police are going to be doing sure. in regards to connecting uh, Troy Driver to this uh, to this murder, this kidnapping murder. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little little bit. What I want to talk about for uh, at least a minute or so is 
Naomi Driver and and the innocent, you know, many people that are, you know, I think a lot of parents like for their kids to grow up slow and not to give them all the dirt and the horrors of this world because they want them to be be secure and not be afraid. And, And that's good. But yet in the realities of this world, you somewhat have to teach your kids about the, the bad realities of this thing. And the mom of uh, Naomi was interviewed by Brian Enton, and he asked her, was she the type of person that would fight back? And the mom said right away, no. She was she was very like, she was almost like a little kid. Very innocent, innocent, obviously. Yeah. Very innocent, but she she wouldn't fight back. She didn't like understand that. And, you know, as much as that that breaks my heart, you know, to, to think that, that there's this little a little fawn uh, to compare it to, uh, you know, a, a, a little fawn and, and that she didn't, and here's this predator, you know, a wolf out there going after someone who is helpless. And, you know, this is the world we live in. You know, there are these predators out there and society now is more concerned with their rights than the rights of this beautiful young girl who never got a chance to really live her life She's only 18 years old, you know? Sure. And now she lost her life because of this this savage, you know, that took her life from her, kidnapped her, and then and then and removes her from the scene in her own car. And, and just to think about this and think about the family and how they have to forever, you know, closure. Is it closure? Yeah, they recovered her body. Closure? No, closure would have be would have been finding her alive and having her be able to go about her life. But now she's dead, you know? And then to think that this guy, you know, we see the picture on the screen, the judge is worrying about him getting bailed. Uh, you know, whereas again, where are we as a society that that's, that's what we're worrying about. Folks, this is police off the cuff, real crime stories. We're taking a dive into this case. The first day we reported on this case and a lot of happening since uh, it first occurred. If you like this podcast, please um, go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. If you want to contribute to us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And you want to join our YouTube family, you can go on our YouTube, join uh, the people in the green font in the chat, part of our YouTube family. And we always are looking for and appreciate more members to our YouTube family. We really appreciate you guys who support us, our channel members, uh, infamous truth teller. Good to see you. Um, she was uh, oblivious. Um, this is infamous truth teller. She was oblivious about the ugliness of this world. She was so beautiful. I happen to agree, to agree with you. You're hundred percent right. Uh, this girl was always surrounded by Marines and consulate security. She had no chance in the real world. I feel badly that her brother had to keep on her about locking the doors of her car. I heard that, right? She didn't understand why you had to lock the doors of your car, you know? Moonlight View, Everlasting Sorrow, you know, 100%. Betty Smith, Hoppy Hoppy, good to see all you guys. Um, Billy, this Karen was Newton. such a, a sad case, and I was going to make that point that Real Robo just brought up. She, you know, she came from a world of uh, living in a diplomatic security situation. Her father was a diplomat, so she probably was never exposed to anything. There was always a wall of security around her. And when she went out into the real world, she was probably a very trusting, innocent young girl. And like you just said, the brother was uh, 
was, you know, getting on her about locking doors and stuff like that. And unfortunately, it was like the perfect storm for her to be uh, preyed upon by this animal, by this savage. And uh, it's really sad. It's it's just a sad case. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we're going to have to get into now uh, how law enforcement uh, proceeded with this case. And, of course, any case like this, you always ask for the help of the community because – Millions of eyes are better than, you know, a couple of eyes that you have in law enforcement, but you have the public out there and you ask for their help. And they established a, a tip line, which you do in all major investigations where you request the help of the community. And sure enough, they got a tip last night or yesterday afternoon, and they were able to to find a body that was determined to be Naomi's body. And that was brought to the medical examiner's office. And it, it was positively identified. I mean, when you, the facts in this case where she was kidnapped on March 12th, you'd need a real, real miracle to think that she was going to be found alive uh, on the 30th of March. Just the total, can miracles happen? Yes, they can. In this case, did it? No, it didn't. And I think everyone else in this world is a lesser person because Naomi Irian lost her life. To, to this savage, you know, and it's just, you know, I, I sometimes don't like to use those words, but there's no other word to describe this guy than what he is. He's a savage, you know, and um, people like that don't belong walking on, on the face of this earth. They belong in a, in a, in a prison cell for the rest of their life. And anyone that talks about decarceral policies, not putting people in prison, but giving them sanctions and, you know, programs and now this guy needs a program it's called a jail cell and he needs it for the rest of his life billy you know one of the breaks that came in this case now obviously they had the video surveillance of him getting in the car they knew there was an abduction they found the car within three days but the uh, law enforcement agency put out pictures of the vehicle and a break came in the case after those pictures were broadcast on the news and they were able to id the occupant of the car which was this savage that we talked about. Um, his name is Troy Driver. So uh, I think that that was very helpful in the case. The fact, like you said, we went to the public, or not we, the law enforcement went to the public. They put out the pictures of him in the hoodie around by the Walmart. They put out the pictures of the vehicle. They were able to ID him now. They probably discovered a lot of evidence in her vehicle. Then they were able to impound his vehicle. There may have been some more evidence there. And then now we have a suspect. We have a person of interest, whatever you want to call it. And they can look into cell phone records. They were probably already up on her cell phone records, other video surveillance. Now you have his stuff. And they were able to charge him uh, with the kidnapping and with the intent of committing a sexual act. That's what the affidavit said, as well as murder. Now, again, a tip led to the discovery of a, a shallow grave uh, that was uh, she was positively, positively identified. And again, that's a third crime scene now that more evidence could be recovered. So um, I think law enforcement followed the trail just the way they should have. They enlisted the help of the public. 
Uh, it was unfortunate that this young lady was probably already deceased by the time law enforcement even became involved in the investigation, but they were able to put together all the pieces of the puzzle. And I'm sure it's going to continue from here. Uh, the investigation's definitely not over. And uh, we'll talk about all of the things, all the steps that they took and, and all of the evidentiary process that took place already and what could be happening going forward. Pat, Patty Banks, thank you so much for the 199 Super Chat. This is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. And the case, of course, is the Naomi Erion case. I want to play a little bit of her brother and her mom being interviewed by Brian Enton and just to see what genuinely good people they are, you know, on Monday. And so I started going on social media and asking, has anybody heard from Naomi? Did you, when was the last time you were Snapchatting or anything with her? You know, and, and I heard back from a few kids that they're like, it was last time was early Saturday morning. And then I sent her other messages and she never opened them. I thought she just left me unread because I, I don't know why. I was like, what? Wait. She always opens her messages. Always. So Monday comes around. I go to work like normal. That's actually the last time I was at work was Monday the 14th. And Hervé, <clears throat> our father, um, he looked at, because he has access to Naomi's bank account. So he looked at that, and there had been zero activity since 5 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. Um, and she had stopped at a gas station around here that was on her way to work, uh, buying some snacks, energy drinks, whatever she wanted, going on to the Walmart parking lot, presumably, right? So we could confirm that that happened. We reached out to Panasonic HR, and they were able to call me as her emergency contact and let me know that she was no call, no show Saturday and Sunday. We got to Walmart around 7.30. They were busy, maybe about 8, 8.30. We got Walmart security to help us look on their footage from that day and uh, first thing that I saw which was a little relieving to me was seeing her car arrive at the plate at the area that she usually parks at and uh, sitting there and then all of a sudden and I mean it's low resolution it's from a distance everything like that not zoomed in or anything and all you can see is like, like at first, all we saw was like a little bit of movement and then the car drives away. And uh, so we didn't know what happened. So we, we were able to kind of zoom in and look at it. And um, then we saw this man approach from behind the car, um, open the driver door, which based on conversations I've had with Naomi uh, was probably unlocked. And say or do something to her to make her move over and cool as a cucumber drive the car away no fast accelerations no no fast stopping anything like that you know just totally uh heartbreaking to the family you know folks in the chat a lot of people are talking about um should you carry a weapon with you and um i'm one of those cops that that uh, will tell you yes you should i think You'll have a lot of cops say, oh, no, it could be used against you. Listen, 
Don't be a victim. If you're com- more comfortable carrying a weapon with you, do so. You know, and I, I hate when cops will say, if you ever had a gun pulled on you or a knife pulled on you, there's nothing better than having your own gun. <laughs> you know, and uh, absolutely. And all of a sudden it comes out, and the perp, especially if there's a knife, the perp realizes he brought a knife to a gunfight, and, you know, all of a sudden he wilts like a little clam that he is. Road to Freedom, thank you for the 499 Super Chat. Please don't be afraid to make noise if you feel uncomfortable around someone. I've embarrassed more friends, family than they would have liked. You know something? If you're in danger, you do whatever you have to do to survive. And no way do I want to do anything, any victim blaming here whatsoever. This was a sweet, sweet girl who lost her life, was a victim of a horrendous crime. But just you have to realize there are bad people out there. There are predators out there. And you have to be ready in the event that something like this happens to you. It's just an, a horrendous thing. And, you know, we, as I said, we have to be ready, especially when we have the criminal justice system these days taking the part of the criminal. Apparently, they're saying, someone in the chat said that the body was not um, recovered um, last night. It was the day before. Yeah. It was the family that. knew about it in court. Uh, it was, uh, however, announced to the public last night. So we didn't, uh, in fact, know about that. If the family knew about that during the court proceedings, how much more horrendous was it that this judge was considering bail? If they knew this, I mean, just incomprehensible that bail was even on the table. Why not just remand and see if the body turns out to be identified as this young lady, which I it sounds like that they had you know, a pretty good idea that it was her and just remand this animal until they can, uh, you know, have another bail hearing in a few days. If it turns out it wasn't uh, this young lady and there's still a possibility that uh, she wasn't dead or wasn't killed, then you could revisit the bail. But a a simple remand would have, uh, would have satisfied everybody in my opinion. And uh, you know, there's too much of a, a focus on the perpetrators instead of the victims. We need to focus on victims in cases like this. When there are victims, like an innocent 18-year-old girl that has been kidnapped and probably murdered, that person needs to be held until they can figure out what happened to her or you know what her whereabouts are, and you remand them. And like I said, in before the last few years of all this decarceration and defund the police and bail reform, you know, in most murder cases where there was a strong case put before, uh, you know, a judge in the district attorney's office would make the, the plea for a remand. And most of the times it was granted. I mean, especially th- there's probably no more horrendous case than this. A young lady on a way to work is, is, is kidnapped off the street and murdered. And, you know, how could you even make a, uh, a an argument that someone like that should be free to walk the streets. And, and especially with a long criminal history, did 20 years in jail for another murder, obviously not reformed. So, I mean, the, 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 the argument is there for the remand. And uh, we really have to, you know, take a second look at, at what's going on in the country, the policies. I mean, you know, it, it's really, uh, it's really getting crazy out there. And should this animal have even been on the street to begin with, with his long criminal history? That's another uh, conversation that we should be having. Yeah, it's, you know, I want to get toward the, now we're all concerned, of course, um, about the case the police are building against him. And some of the evidence, of course, we're going to talk about is really strong, very, very strong evidence, of course, which uh, set this whole ball in motion. 
was the Walmart video of this predator, even though it's probably not good enough to identify his face, the Walmart video. He's seen coming from the rear of the car. This is according to the brother who watched the video, a brother Casey. And he approached the driver's side, and to his chagrin, his sister Naomi apparently never locked the doors of her car. And again, I don't want to blame her for that, but he was able to open the door of the car, whether he said something, whether he pulled a knife or a gun, she slid over to the other side. And, you know, once a stranger is in your car, everything that's going to happen next is bad. There is no good outcome to that, you know. So they, one of the things we talk about evidentiary-wise is there's a very, very good chance that his DNA or his hair, his fibers, something is inside Naomi's car. Uh, very, very strong evidence. We talk about low-cards theory of exchange. When a body has contact with something, it leaves something from the body there, whether it's a hair fiber, whether it's DNA, saliva, anything. Things fall off your head all the time, and you don't even realize it. And a good crime scene technician can collect the evidence from that car, and that will tie him into at least being in her car. He has no reason, no right, no permission or authority to be in her car. And there's a, a solid cell phones. We talk about cell phones all the time. And the treasure trove of information and evidentiary material you pick up off of a cell phone. And just the fact that they found Naomi's car through pinging her cell phone uh, gives some evidence of that right there. The perp, Troy, his cell phone, that's going to show everywhere he was. It's going to show that he was in her car, that it dropped off at a certain area, and it's probably going to show that he was near where the body was dumped. You know, So all those things are extremely, extremely strong pieces of evidence that will hopefully build a case that will put this guy away for the rest of his life. Phil, you want to continue with some of the evidence? Yeah, I, I, listen, obviously the electronic uh, evidence that you're speaking about, it obviously, based on the interview that we just saw from the mom, it gave us a, an insight onto her movements of that morning. So it showed, obviously the video surveillance showed that she comes into the parking lot. Then we look at her cell phone and she's active on social media from 5.09, I believe it was, until 5.23. 5.24, he enters the car. 5.25, the car leaves the area. We also have that picture right there is the evidence from a gas station that she stopped at before she went to the parking lot. So we actually have all of her specific movements during the morning of the incident where she was abducted. And then if you follow video cameras and you follow the pinging of the cell phone, it leads you to the location where her vehicle was found. Now, once they zeroed in on a suspect, they can now go to video surveillance in and around his home. And maybe you'll have video of him leaving and you can track his movements. And then you can have his movements when he goes back again, like you just mentioned, his cell phone can also track his movements. So there's going to be uh, a whole uh, roadmap on movements between video surveillance and cell phone technology of both of the individuals, of the perpetrator Troy and this young lady. So we're going to have the movements of both. Now, again, once we get into the vehicle, her vehicle, like you said, low cards theory of exchange. We have, you know, uh, you lose hundreds or even thousands of pieces of hair fall off your body. Things uh, touch DNA. All these different things happen. So if there was 
uh, an extended period of time that he was in that vehicle. And I'm not talking hours. I'm talking about minutes. I'm not, you know, he didn't just jump in and jump out. Even then you could, uh, you know, you can leave some DNA or you could leave hair, but if there was some type of a struggle or some things went on inside that vehicle, something of him is going to be found inside that vehicle. Uh, then you'll have evidence of whatever took place. They talked about, uh, violence, uh, the mother made a mention of there was a violent, uh, some type of violence was, uh, presumed because of the evidence that was in the vehicle. So maybe there was some DNA, blood, whatever. I don't want to get too graphic on that. And then you have his vehicle, which was identified. Now we don't know what was found in that vehicle, you know? So there's going to be examination of all of these things. If you take a vacuum and you, you soak up fibers, with the vacuum from her vehicle, you may find his hair or his DNA some way, some shape, some form. So these are all the things that are done in crime scene. Now you're linking him not only by video surveillance where someone could say, all right, it looks like him. But if you have a piece of hair or a droplet of blood or a droplet of semen or a droplet of any kind of body fluid or touch DNA inside that vehicle, that locks him in. He was in that vehicle. Let's play a little bit of this. We'll see how he was stalking. Abducted from a Walmart parking lot has ended with the discovery of her body. Police say detectives acting on a tip found the remains of 18-year-old Naomi Arion buried in a remote area of Churchill County. The teenager was abducted in her own car while waiting for a shuttle bus on her way to work in Reno. A 41-year-old ex-con was charged today with first-degree kidnapping. Troy Driver has a violent criminal record, including a sentence of 15 years in prison for his role in a 1997 murder in North. So you could see how he was stalking her. One of the things, Phil, and you covered a lot of the evidentiary stuff pretty well, is that the first thing I would do was when I locked this guy up is I would make him take his shirt off and make him strip down. I would photograph his body. Because potentially there's going to be wounds on his body because I'm sure she fought back. And uh, he probably, of course, cleaned himself up, but you can't necessarily clean wounds or just uh, explain how you got certain wounds. And if they're consistent with, like, you attacking someone and defensive wounds from the person you're attacking on your body or the person trying to defend themselves, that's super, super strong evidence. So I would definitely photograph his entire body and that it can be such such powerful powerful evidence when if if and when the case goes to trial and of course we're talking and you mentioned that hair and fiber evidence so so important inside her car we also want to look at his um he had a pickup truck i believe that they invoiced again low card theory of exchange transfer evidence there could be transfer evidence inside his pickup truck that uh, came from the the attack and and um there's no doubt there was an attack here this is believed to be his pickup truck so they'll go over that they'll invoice that they'll impound that they'll go over that with a fine tooth comb and any evidence that transfer evidence that they can compare if anything of her dna is in his truck obviously that is slam dunk uh evidence at a trial of, uh, for this guy cuz obviously he's going to take it to trial because he's not talking and he's going to fight this case. He, you know, he didn't do it according to him. Um, results of canvases, so so important. When a case like this happens, the police, the FBI, they go throughout the neighborhood and they talk to everyone. They talk on routes that vehicles can travel. They talk to people in Walmart. They talk to the other employees at the company that this guy Troy worked at. 
And believe it or not, they'll come up with some very good information when they do that. And so that that's so important. Tips, of course, in this instance, a tip led to the location of her body. All of these are tried and true law enforcement methods that go with every law, uh, major case. Um, of course, I don't want to get too graphic, but the body of Naomi Irian is a crime scene in itself. All right. And it was recovered and an autopsy is conducted. Uh, that would include, uh, you know, scraping under her fingernails, uh, DNA, uh, wounds, all, all type of things like that. I, and I said, as I said, I hate to get graphic with this because this young lady deserves to be treated with nothing but respect. But this is, this is part of the investigation. They will also do toxicology. Uh, that's just a, um, and of course they would do a rape kit, which is in any case like this to recover semen, hair and uh, pubic hair fibers, that type of thing. And uh, this is all part of a, a major investigation like this. Additional video, where did these cars travel? You know, even easy passes. Let's see where this guy went after this occurred. All of these are tremendous, tremendous investigative value. And when we talk about in an investigation, crossing T's and dotting I's, all of these things uh, should be included in the investigation. Phil, anything else? Yes, I think you made a great point about examining his body. If there was a bite mark on on his body from her, that would obviously be very powerful evidence. But there's something else. If you look at the video outside the Walmart, there's the gray hoodie, the jeans, and whatever footwear he was wearing. I would get a search warrant, go through his belongings, and I would try to find those specific articles of clothing. If they are still in existence, we would be able to do physical examination to see if there's blood, fibers, semen, anything like that on that clothing. Uh, also, it would just say uh, more circumstantial evidence that, look, we found the exact clothing of the person that was lurking and went into, forced his way into her vehicle uh, in his home. So, uh, you know, you can, you can build with obviously DNA evidence and all the other evidence, but you also could have circumstantial evidence. If the clothing is recovered and, and let's say uh, it's been washed already, there's no uh, physical evidence on it, but you still have the exact type of jacket, uh, hoodie, and you have the exact type of jeans and the footwear. And you can say, uh, this is circumstantial evidence, but you can tie it to uh, this perpetrator. So again, you want to build a, a stronger case as you can with all the other evidence that you talked about, Billy. Obviously, plate readers, surveillance cameras, uh, traffic cameras, all of those things should be looked at. And you can get a roadmap of the movements before and after the crime that would, again, would be circumstantial evidence. You, this guy cannot say if we have pictures of his vehicle and we have video surveillance and we have traffic cameras, I wasn't in the area when you have all of that evidence. Then you're going to link him with the uh, the physical evidence, the DNA, and then you're going to have the clothing. You're going to have all of these things. And then, like you said, you might get a good picture of uh, what type of person he was from, uh, you know, fellow employees. So all of these pieces of the puzzle will come together and you could put it together and you can present it to a jury at a trial. And hopefully those things will be done and we'll be able to get a conviction on this this animal. That's the only word that I could think of that's not dirty to describe him. He's an animal. You know, folks, also a very important interview, of course, we spoke about a little bit, interview with his coworkers, his family, uh, his mailman, anyone that has contact with this guy. Uh, let's look at his habits. You know, where does he get his coffee in the morning? 
let's uh, talk to people. What do they think about this guy? You know, uh, all of those things are important in building what we call in the business is the perpology, basically the study of the perp. Let's look in perp backgrounding, it's called, and look at that and his whole resume, not just as a criminal, as a human being, even though it's tough to call this guy a human being. Um, of course, the search warrant on his home, his computer, a treasure trove of information can be found in his home, maybe evidence of other crimes, maybe stolen property, maybe evidence on his computer of stalking other people. Uh, this guy is a, a real traditional predator. So as I said, a search warrant on his home can recover a treasure trove. Let's interview his family members. Maybe some of his family members are terrified of this guy. Who knows? You know, we don't know until we talk to all those people. Um, of course, yep. DNA. In this case, he's con he's arrested for a felony. They can take his DNA. All right. Uh, the judge can even give an order if, uh, you know, because I, I don't know if until you're convicted, they can actually forcibly take it. So they take his DNA. They ask him if they could take it voluntarily. If he refuses, they get an order to compel by the judge. They take. It's easier to use an exemplar to compare against DNA you have as evidentiary DNA than it is to run the DNA against CODIS, which is the combined DNA identification system, which is uh, collected by the FBI. So it's much easier if you can get a live exemplar of his DNA just simply by swapping the inside of his cheek with a Q-tip and putting it in a paper envelope and then sending it to the lab. That's as easy as it is. It's not as intrusive as taking blood or anything like that. So we get an order to compel by the judge to get his DNA so we can make a comparison. Uh, of course, a huge piece of evidence, too, uh, is the results of the autopsy, which will tell us so many things about this, uh, this beautiful young girl who lost her life. You know, Billy, I also want to know, how did he stumble upon this Walmart parking lot at five o'clock in the morning? Was he stalking her? Did he stalk the area? What links him to that Walmart parking lot? And again, from what you just said, speaking to his uh, co-workers, family members, uh, what would put him in that parking lot at that time in the morning? Uh, did he have a previous uh, uh, encounter, chance encounter with uh, Naomi, you know, was he stalking her? That's uh, all very important to find out. Again, it's going to lead to uh, a roadmap of what happened on that morning, how he came upon that parking lot, that Walmart parking lot. Uh, was he there on previous days? You know, the, the usually video surveillance cameras will go back 30 days or more. So I would be looking for stuff like that. How did maybe he had a, 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 a dry run, a test run previously. Uh, maybe she was a random victim. Maybe other people parked in that parking lot. That's what I'd like to know. How did he stumble upon her at that time in the morning? What was his reason for being there? Maybe he followed her from that gas station that she was at just prior to going to the parking lot where she stopped. It looked like she bought something inside the convenience store part of the uh, gas station. So again, these are things, uh, questions that need to be answered. Uh, and I think it would be uh, in the best interest of the investigation and the prosecution to find out those things. So that way 
you can slam dunk the case. Not only are you going to say he was there on that morning, but we know he followed her or why he was there or what had put him there. Did he have a, he worked for a construction company. Did he have business with his, with his employment at that location? How did he, uh, maybe he was at that gas station. That's what I'd be looking for. I'd be checking that video surveillance at that gas station before she went there. You always want to look at the, movements of a person, a victim prior to the incident too. So I would be looking at that. I'd be looking into her movements when she left the home. Was she followed from her home? These are all things that need to be looked at and questioned and asked. These are very, very important things that need to be done. Uh, Where was he before uh, he got to that parking lot? Was he at his home or was he at a bar or where was he? These are things that his cell phone can answer some of those questions, but I'm sure that the investigation and the investigators are looking into all of that. Uh, it's going to be at the prosecution phase at this point. So there's still a lot more work to be done. Ray Bird, uh, thank you for your comment. Other women coming forward saying they have seen him at Walmart watching people. You, you know, go. Phil, I seriously doubt that this was his first time stalking someone in the Walmart parking Absolutely. lot. I think that's probably part of his MO. Uh, Good point. He could have been out drinking and he's, uh, you know, at the end of the night, you know, he's going home alone and here he is. He goes to this Walmart parking lot to stalk someone and attack someone. I think that's more than likely. Phil, we're going to take a quick uh, commercial break and then we're going to come right back with this. Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702, or you could email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. The secret to quickly hiring the best police officers before your competition does. With an extremely limited job candidate pool, law enforcement agencies have to quickly identify and hire qualified police officers before another agency does. That's why nearly 70 U.S. agencies have updated their hiring process to include iDetect, a fast, affordable, non-invasive, unbiased, and automated lie detector it accurately identifies lies by watching the eyes. Eye Detect also helps solve crimes. CEO Todd Mickelson shared stories about how Eye Detect is changing the way the world detects deception. Remember, the eyes do not lie. Converis.com, 1-801-331-8840. To email them for information, info at Converis.com. You know, this is uh, this case is, is is so so heartbreaking. I mean, uh, I say it as a father, as a former police officer. It just to think that this this family has to deal with this this young eighteen year old beautiful girl had a whole life ahead of her, and now they're dealing with grieving and and burying her or whatever. However, they deal with with her death now. Just uh, an outrageous situation. Um, you know, we talked about we we put trying to put all the evidence together, and I have no doubt that uh, law enforcement on this case is going to do a fantastic job because it's such an important important case. And I know everyone. Oh, you know, there was one thing I wanted to bring up. There was something about um, 
the family had gone to report her missing. And as there are there are procedures in a missing case, if someone's 18 years of age or older and left home voluntarily or just hasn't been seen in 24 hours or more, minus any potentially um, foul play, and it's worded differently, you know, uh, if they're missing due to some unaccountable or involuntary disappearance, then they're considered missing. But police, uh, police get people trying to report folks missing all the time, and they turn a lot of them away uh, because they don't, maybe they don't know what to say. And w- one of the things you must say is like, no, she definitely wouldn't do this. This is, there's something very um, strange that's unaccountable, involuntary disappearance. She would not do this. And then you sort of force them to take the report and get the ball rolling. And so they did complain that the police initially didn't take the missing person report. And that is not uncommon. Whether it's right or not, uh, each case has to be taken on a case-by-case basis. But at some point, yeah, they would it have made any difference had they taken the report really early. I'm just telling you that police agencies are inundated with missing persons reports. And many of them are, you know, it's the family worried that someone didn't come home overnight. And uh, I've seen that lots of times on the NYPD also. Billy, you're making a great point, but I think that once that video surveillance was uncovered, uh, it it was really uh, time to start the investigation. Um, You know, uh, 18-year-old kids, and I'm not talking about Naomi specifically, but 18-year-old kids in general, sometimes they'll go out with their friends drinking, they'll lose track of time. And if she was reported probably the next day, uh, you know, that might be the circumstance that the police officers or the agency didn't want to take the report without some other unlying fact or a circumstance that seemed to be suspicious. And once that was established, I think that they got the ball rolling pretty quickly. But I want to make a point about one other thing. The fact that he was seen lurking around his Walmart parking lot, you know, again, like we said, he could have been out drinking or whatever, but he had a lot of things in his favor. It's five o'clock in the morning. It's dark out. He could uh, really go with the cover of darkness where he's not going to be sticking out like a sore thumb if it's too Two o'clock in the afternoon and he's lurking around and there's not much happening in that parking lot, then it might, uh, you know, set off some red flags. But of course it was dark and uh, people must congregate there to, to catch the shuttle bus or whatever it is. So I think that was on his side. One of the other things, I think a big mistake that he made, uh, burying the body probably will help to preserve evidence because if the body is left out in the open, you have the elements, you have uh, the wildlife that could disturb the body and, uh, you know, compromise evidence. However, if the body is buried, uh, it would actually help to preserve some of the evidence. Let's keep our fingers crossed. I mean, I hate to even discuss this, but we want to slam dunk this guy into uh, a conviction for murder. And let's hope that there is uh, there is evidence recovered off of her body. Real with Robo, thank you so much for the $5 super chat. Lee Perry, thank you guys all for your four ninety nine super chat. I really appreciate you guys helping support us. Someone asked a question. Um, Yaz's daughter, if a tip led to the body, does that mean two were involved? No, no, not necessarily. Someone may, he may have told somebody, you know, uh, perpetrators love to talk, you know, and he may have told someone and they got a bout of conscience and called the police, you know, maybe saw, maybe someone saw him doing it. Maybe saw someone saw him dumping the body. So no, it doesn't mean that someone else is involved. I love labs. He's probably done it several times and not gotten caught. And this time got sloppy. And she had a family that he 
he shouldn't have messed with. Look, I have no doubt that this guy's a, a predator. He's probably a, a sex offender also. Uh, Jay Simpson, one lady took pictures of this guy in a gray car following her. She called the police while he was following her. This was a week or so before Naomi's kidnapping. Uh, Jay Simpson, thank you for that information. I don't know if, in fact, it's true. I don't know where you actually got it from, but it's really it sounds like it's really good information. And maybe he was on the police's radar. Maybe they knew about this guy. Maybe he was uh, someone that they had been watching, uh, a stalker. You know, uh, uh, Little Miss TT, the brother uh, Casey Valley, had to ask Walmart for the video. That well, that you know, that should have been the police should have been doing that. You know, and I'm sure they went back and got that video video after the fact. But that was a if that in fact is true that her brother Casey was the one to retrieve that video. That was a very smart thing for him to do. And one of the things we talk about, uh, and a good thing all over this country, is that there's video all over the world. And there's video that helps solve these crimes, thank God. You know, um, people have spoken about, you know, why wasn't there security in a Walmart parking lot? I don't know if, in fact, there was or wasn't. Would security have prevented this? Possibly, you know, maybe lighting, better lighting in these parking lots. Uh, you know, lighting is proven to scare away people and people, you know, they always say you want to get the truth, shine a light on it. Uh, and that's that's true with crime. A lot of lighting sometimes can prevent crime. So uh, all of these things we're discussing, you know, we're, we are Monday morning quarterbacking because we don't uh, have privy to the investigation or the case folder. However, we know what is uh, being done, what should be done in these major investigations. And I have no doubt that the police and the FBI are going to do an unbelievable forensic investigation into this case. couple of things, Billy. One, the tip. Uh, the tip, like you said, it could have been anything. It could be someone saw uh, a suspicious vehicle, maybe uh, doing something in an area that's kind of desolated. That could have been the tip. It could have been a dog walker that saw a body and didn't want to get involved, went home, called the police. There's so many possibilities with that. Uh, the other thing is uh, with regard to uh, – him being a previous offender. I am sure that all the police agencies in that area, the surrounding area, the surrounding states will be tr looking at cases that are unsolved, trying to link him to those cases. Uh, that'll be very important. That point that uh, one of the people in the chat made about uh, there was a woman claiming that she was being followed by a guy, that's going to be very important. I would want to talk to her, get a description of the vehicle, see if you could link him to that vehicle or to that person that he was following or whoever was following that woman. So those are all things that are very, very important. And it sounds like law enforcement has a very good uh, grasp on this case, the situation. If you look at the affidavit before the body was actually identified as hers, uh, the, uh, the affidavit really spells out uh, a, a, a real serious, horrific crime. Uh, it talked about uh, the kidnapping for the purpose of sexual activity and murder. So I think that they they have a pretty good idea of what went on. That's going to be based on physical evidence. Uh, it's going to be based on the the video evidence, the uh, electronic evidence. So they have a pretty good idea of what they believe happened. And then once now the body's recovered, like you said, you stated earlier, Billy, they can do 
uh, a rape kit. They could do a physical examination of that body. And there could be other things that will lead to the suspect. And then we have the vehicle, the, his vehicle. There could be the transfer of evidence from her to him. He had to get back in his vehicle after he disposed of her body. So uh, if there was some physical evidence that was on his body related to her, whether it be hair, fibers, uh, DNA, uh, if that transferred into the car, that could be very, very, uh, very telling and very powerful evidence against him. So again, uh, sounds like law enforcement is right on track with this case. All of the things that we've uh, saying we, we stated that we would do uh, things that we would look into if we were on the case. Again, we don't have the case folder in front of us, but uh, our expertise and previous experience, uh, it seems like they're going right down the same road that we would be going down, Billy. Yeah, absolutely. Jane Darby, there's a video of a great car. He had been following her. She had police on the phone. He followed her into Lowe's parking lot. The police told her to park. So she parked in Walmart and recorded him. So that previous information, in fact, very well could have helped in this investigation. So, you know, that old saying, you know, if you see something, say something, and, and not e even more than say something, if she, in fact, recorded this guy, that information may have been used to identify this, this you know, when he did strike and commit this crime. I mean... A predator like this doesn't just start one day. He's been doing it for a while, you know, and uh, it's if that's true, thank you so much for that information. That's uh, amazing. Cracking asses. That guy looks sick and disturbed. I always tell my daughters not to even go into a store by themselves. Good you know, advice. One, one of the things, folks, I just want to talk about it, and <coughs> you will hear it a lot in policing and in security, and it's called situational awareness. And Always know where you are, you know. If you're in a parking lot and you're going to your car, have your keys in your hand, you know. And it, the the modern-day cars have been built with security in mind. So if someone's following you and you open your door, it only unlocks the car door. That was done with security in mind, the car manufacturers, so that someone couldn't, as you open your car, just open the passenger side door or one of the other doors. It's only opening the driver's side door. You get in your car and you lock the car immediately. You know, so think of situational awareness. Think of where you are. And, I, you know, as I said, I have no problem with people carrying weapons to protect themselves because let's face reality in this world. There, you know, liberals will tell you not to carry a weapon. Oh, it could be used against you, but let, let them use that philosophy. You want to protect your life. You want to protect your loved ones. You carry what you need to carry to protect yourself. And um, I just, I see all of these progressive ideas that just seem to protect the criminal and not the victim. And we, we see victims, you know, in my 27 year years as a cop, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people with their heads split open, people stabbed, people shot. And then to, to, to think that, you know, you're not going to try to defend yourself. That whole thing of don't resist the robber, don't resist the attacker. I, that doesn't, that's not in my DNA. And, you know, I think that if you do resist, you have a much better chance of surviving than if you become just surrendering to a, 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 to a perp. Absolutely, Billy. And you brought up such a great point about the modern day cars. I mean, over the last 10, 15 years, the key fob has a panic button on it. If you hit that button, it'll set off the flashes on the car and the horn will beep 
intermittently. Now, what I do myself, I keep that right next to my bed at night. My keys are right next to my bed. So that way, if God forbid someone's coming in my house, now naturally, I'm, uh, you know, I'm protected with my, my firearm, but I could also hit that panic button. And now if the police are called, they'll see that it'll draw their attention right to uh, the car. Now, again, if you're in a parking lot and someone's following you, you hit that panic button. It draws attention to the vehicle. What's going on? Everybody's going to turn around. Why Why is that uh, panic? Uh, why those flashes and the horn beeping on that car? A lot of times people forget where they park their car and they do it. But again, you want to bring attention to it. Uh, very, very good point, Billy, about that. Uh, the cars are, uh, are, again, like you said, when you hit the key fob once, it only opens the driver's side, doesn't open the other side. You have to hit it a second time. They're programmed with safety in mind. These are little things that you could use. That that key fob with that panic button, that's very important. Hold. You're coming out of a movie theater, you're coming out of Walmart, you're coming out of Lowe's, or you're going in. Hold it in your hand. It can help you. It can it can possibly bring attention to it and and somebody might take off instead of trying to abduct you or rob you whitey 22 songbird i have set off the car alarm a few times when people have gotten too close Absolutely. yes phil so yeah situational awareness again trish very good point simon i've had police officers advice advise groups of women to not carry a weapon not liberal well they're wrong i'm going to tell you right now those police officers are wrong and i don't know where look I, i've when i was uh before I went on the police department, I was robbed at gunpoint and the robbery was going to get out of control. So I decided to take things into my own hands and I jumped the, um, the guy with the gun and he shot fired at me four times and my brother got hit in the stomach, but we disarmed him and, uh, held him for the police. The point was I didn't want to take the chance of what he was going to do to me. Had I not made that decision to defend myself, you know, I'm not leaving my fate in the arms of a, of a, in this case, a paroled murderer, you know, and I wasn't going to leave my fate in his arms. So you decide. Billy, whether let you me make to a quick point about that, Billy, you in that robbery, I don't want to get too detailed, but you were willing, the people that you were with, they were willing to give up the property. And then he decided he was going to tie you guys up or restrain you guys. And that's when you said, so I think that that's the point. You took action at the point where it was, listen, if someone sticks a gun in your face and they, and you give up your wallet and they leave or you watch or whatever it is, that's okay. But it gets to the point now where they're going to, restrain you, tie you up, and now they're going to take control of your movements. No good. That's the time to act. Absolutely, Billy. Absolutely. 100%. And that's, you're right. Your situational awareness, you have to make a determination as to your capabilities, what you're going to do. You know, I always tell the, the scenario of people walking down the street and a car pulls up and someone points a gun or a knife and says, get in the car. I will tell you 100% do not do get not. in that car. Run right there. Scream and run. Chances are the guy's just going to take off in the car. He's not going to shoot you because he's going to draw more attention to himself. But that's your chance. You get in that car, everything that happens after that is 100% bad. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So Listen, uh, I think uh, with regard to weapons, at least a keychain mace. A lot of women, young women, anybody. Could be males, it could be women. Everybody should keep that, and it's legal. There, there's different types of pepper spray and mace and different things. you got to check with your local ordinances to see if it's legal. But a keychain mace, 
Or your, like Billy said, your keys in your hand. You you put them in between your fingers. If someone comes up to attack you, grab you from behind. You can hit them with the keys, and you can put a mark on them. There's a lot of self defense techniques that are out there. There's also self defense mechanisms, uh, whether it be mace. They have a thing that sprays uh, red dye on on the perpetrator. So there's nothing wrong with arming yourself with things like that. Uh, if you Take a safety course and you want to arm yourself with a firearm legally. I fully endorse that. I'm sure Billy does as well. Check with your local uh, ordinances to see what's legal. And don't be a victim by a, of a predator. Be able to defend yourself. Be Like you said, situational awareness. Don't bury your head in your cell phone. Uh, be aware of what's going on, especially early, early in the morning, late at night, whatever it is. These are the things that are important. And uh, Bill, I want to make one quick other uh, point about the case that we were on last night, the Met Sanguin case. Uh, after that case was uh, in the media, after they made the arrest, they showed the perpetrator's vehicle. That led to a previous case where he abducted, uh, had abducted a, a woman and uh, she recognized the vehicle. She jumped out of it while it was moving. Uh, she wasn't killed, thank God, but she had been abducted, tied up. She jumped out of the vehicle that was moving. They were able to convict him on that case before they even tried him on the Met Sanguin case. So uh, that was a great case. If anybody that didn't see it last night, we did an episode on that last night with retired chief uh, Bob Boyce. Uh, again, the media putting it out there that helped with, uh, uh, getting the animal to be uh, charged with the original, uh, before Mets case, he was charged with another case and he got 25 years on that case, as well as what he got on the Mets Sanguine case. John Lem, if they're going to rob you, they're going to do it right then. If they're going to take you somewhere else, they've got other plans for you before they take you. It's time to fight John Lem. Uh, 100%. 100%. That's what I was trying to say before. You know, folks, maybe I shouldn't have used the word liberal. Maybe it's better using the word progressive because it seems progressives care more about criminals uh, than they do about crime victims. So maybe I used an incorrect word. But as far as, look, I did six and a half years in plainclothes anti-crime in New York City, all right, one of the crime capitals of the world back then, all right? I know what I'm talking about, all right? I've seen criminals. I've seen criminals change their minds just because someone changes the side of the street they're walking on. Or I've seen criminals change their mind if someone just starts yelling, then they go the other way. So whatever your technique is to not be a victim, I'm telling you to do it. And these co cops that advise not to carry a weapon, look, they want to be a victim? Get, ask them what they're carrying off duty. They're carrying a nine or a 40 caliber, but they want you to be a victim? No, no. I don't think so. This cop advises people to be ready when something like the eventuality of something like this can happen. I mean, that used to be the old thing. Oh, give them whatever they want. What if you give them whatever they want and they still shoot you, you know? And I'm not saying, like Phil described before, someone pulls a gun on you and says, give me your money. Give them your damn money. Right. And once they, if they take off, fine. If they're, if they're not done, that's when you got to make a decision, you know? If they want now they want to play with you after you gave them their money, you know, it's not happening to me, you know? And it's just, uh, you know, this is a crazy world we live in. And, you know, we have people, politicians, we have progressives that want to take the side of the criminals. And with that being said, you have to protect yourself because law enforcement cannot protect you 24-7. Law enforcement is hampered and handcuffed right now with the jobs that with the job they can do by so much politics 
So I'm telling you, you need to protect yourself. You know, little Miss T, I just do not understand how the judge allowed bail for Troy Driver yesterday when she knew that Naomi had been found. I'm having a hard time seeing justice in that. I don't think he was ever released. I think the bail was offered. And the fact that it was offered is outrageous. I find that outrageous also. We spoke about that before. I find that outrageous too. Um, Frank Marsha, here in Florida, we can carry concealed firearm with a permit. Problem is we have some people here that shouldn't have a driver's license, let alone a gun permit. You know, Frank, I've driven in Florida recently, and I think the the cars there are more dangerous than the guns. People in Florida are outrageously crazy drivers. When the speed limit's 65, they're doing 95, you know, and and I'm doing 75, and people are flying by me like I'm like I'm standing still. I mean, I think that's where they need more enforcement in Florida is in the vehicle and traffic law than speed cameras, you know? Billy, I got to make a point. My experience over my years in law enforcement, whether it be a robbery, a rape, uh, these predators, they use something called the element of surprise. That's number one. So knowing situational awareness, like you said, knowing what your surroundings are, if you see them before they see you, they're usually going to go find somebody else. That's one, two. Cover of darkness. The cover of darkness gives uh, the perpetrator, the predator, uh, an edge on you. It's dark. He's not going to be noticed so quickly. And then there's other things, other things that they take into, 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 uh, you know, when they're going to do these crimes. Um, he may have did dry runs, uh, you know, stalking her, stalking this parking lot. We have the information that one of the uh, people in the chat put up that he was following another vehicle. So these are the things that they use. So what we have to do in defense of these perpetrators is be aware of our surroundings at all times. You know, uh, if you're in a car, keep your doors locked. You're waiting for a bus or you're waiting for a friend. Keep your doors locked. Don't bury your head in your cell phone. If you do look at your cell phone, look up, see what's going on around you, especially at night. One of the other things that they use, if it's raining or if it's snowing, that was one of the times where a lot of robberies would take place because again, it, it aids them. They're not going to be, if you're in a, a, a rainstorm and you're sitting in a car, you're not going to be able to see out as good as if it was a clear night, even though it's dark. Uh, snow, another thing that it, it hampers the response by police, because if it's, if it's slippery and, 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 and if it's snowing heavily out, it's going to slow down response time. That's one of the advantages they use maybe in a burglary of a bank or something like that. So all of these different things, you have to, you have to think about it beforehand. Again, Keep your eyes open. If you see the perp before he sees you, chances are he may try to find somebody else. Uh, I'm not trying to say that, you know, push him onto somebody else, but these are the things you have to protect yourself. Knowledge is power when it comes to protecting yourself from predators. Unfortunately, young Naomi, she was young. She, we talked about where she came from. She lived in a uh, diplomatic situation, a diplomatic security situation most of her life. So she may not have been so aware of what's going on in the world, but uh, really, really, uh, you know, condolences to her and her family. It's a terrible, terrible case. And uh, we just want to see justice now going forward for the perpetrator. 100%. You know, folks, um, we got Lieutenant Pete in the chat, uh, a street crime legend in the NYPD. Good. Head on a swivel, went out, face to the door. See you all. 100% Lieutenant Pete. You know, I just, I just don't like when some law and law enforcement preach to people not to protect themselves. I, I find that just, it's fr- coming from another area of law enforcement that I've never been part of. I call them conscientious objectors, you know, and uh, I don't agree with that philosophy. 
And the, the one thing is if you are armed with a weapon, make sure you know how to use it. Make sure Absolutely. you're trained in it. Don't just, you know, start carrying a, a gun because you can. Make sure you get training in it and you know when and when you can't pull it, when and when you should pull it to defend yourself. And that's a very important thing. You know, folks, this is um, these are the horrendous times that we live in, you know, and this poor 18-year-old girl, God bless her family. Um, God bless her in her memory. God bless her soul. And we want to make sure that the person that did this gets justice and gets, uh, you know, gets the full extent of the law that he's entitled to. You know what? We're not going to endorse vigilanteism, but we are making points that you do have a right to protect yourself. If you, like Billy said, if you know how to use a firearm, you know how to retain a firearm, you know how to safely use a firearm, by all means do so. Maybe there are certain people that shouldn't carry a firearm. However, a simple thing like mace, if it's a if it's a teenager, uh, they have you could buy mace in Lowe's uh, or Home Depot. There's keychain mace that you put on your keychain. You got to have that at the ready, and maybe a self defense course. You know, there's a lot of different courses that a male, female can take. Uh, you know, if you grab from behind, there's different techniques that you could use. Um, again, in this case, sitting in a car by yourself, doors locked. Uh, cell phone at the ready, car running so that we can get away if someone does approach the car. These are some of the safety tips that we would implore people use. Um, there's really not much else to say about it. It's just unfortunate. Uh, the only thing we can do is we can look at this specific case, point things out, and hope to prevent because there's going to be predators out there in the world, unfortunately. Uh, there's going to be other scumbags that'll do stuff like this. But if we uh, learn to protect ourselves and we employ some safety techniques, uh, it's preventable. Uh, again, like you said, Billy, God bless this young lady and her family. Uh, I hope she rests in peace and uh, let's get justice for her. For sure, folks. Uh, thank you so much for listening today. Uh, this is the first time we actually covered this case. And uh, unfortunately, there's going to be more cases like this in the future. It's just uh, too common an event these days. And uh, we, you know, we, we, as we said, God bless her family and God bless Naomi and may she rest in peace. Folks, thank you so much for listening. This is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. Stay safe, everyone. One episode, just ain't enough.